So, I'd like to read you from John chapter 13, and um, I think it's self-explanatory, but we'll, we'll read. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said, not every one of you is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you, want you, sorry, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But, but that I, your Lord and teacher has washed your feet you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. For very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you will know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Longish reading, uh, no apology for that. I need to pray, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for a great service. We've been able to worship you. We've been able to sing and pray and dedicate this little one to you. And now, Lord, in these moments that we have, we ask that the same Holy Spirit that has been present with us so far will speak to our hearts. Lord, we'd like to hear from you. Even those who are not expecting to hear from you, surprise them, Lord, and speak to them. Amen. Amen. As I mentioned, this is a very well-known portion of Scripture. The key verse for John's gospel is John 20, 31. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you may have life in his name. That's why John wrote his gospel, that for one reason, primarily, that we might know that Jesus Christ is none other than the Christ, the saviour of the world. And so whenever we look into scripture, we have that underlying theme. What is it saying about the Lord Jesus Christ? What's being said that will draw out from my heart love and praise for his name? In this story, it's at a very important time. We're told that it was just before the Passover festival. This, of course, was the Passover when Jesus was going to be arrested. He would be put on trial. He would be crucified and he would rise again. For us, we know that as Easter. So it was just before the Passover festival. They had not come to arrest Jesus yet. He'd not been to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And John tells us, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. The great thing about the love of God, it never ends. Now, there are people, I'm sure, who used to love me and don't love me anymore. If you're here, will you stand up, please? <laughs> you can have your offering back and you can leave. No, no, sorry, Pastor Colin, you can't have your offering back. Right, now that happens. There's people that come into my life and move out of my life, and, you know, they say, oh, you're real. But then something will happen and we move on, or they go their way, I go my way, and that relationship will change, you know? And Jesus says, listen, there's one thing that's non-negotiable, that Jesus loves us to the end. To the, I don't know what the end will be, when it will be or how it will be. For them, it, if, you know, it could have been to the crucifixion or for us to the end of our days. But let me assure you that if he loved them to the end, he loves you to the end. You say, well, I let him down. I make mistakes. Of course we do. Peter was going to make mistakes. Um, we find that so many of the disciples made mistakes. But it's not mistakes. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he loves us. You know, um, I must say, Scott, when you were going on about your niece, it was rather long you were going on about the niece, really. I mean, you know, no, I'm only teasing. But, you know, like with the children, we love them, and this is it. So Jesus said to them, it says, Scripture says, he loved them to the end, uh, and that's his love. Then we move into the meal. Now we come to the event itself. The evening meal was progressing, and the devil already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. The importance of John putting that in is this, that Jesus washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. Jesus did not wait till he left the room. So he got up and he washed the disciples' feet, and one of the disciples' feet that he washed was Judas Iscariot. Now that in itself says to me, I must not neglect to wash everyone's feet. Say, so, well, I like this person, I don't like that person, I do that person. I'm sorry, we, we have no choice. As Christian, Jesus, as he said, has set as an example. And if Judas gets his feet washed, then if I have an opportunity, I should minister and serve to whoever. It's not our job to decide who deserves it, who doesn't deserve it. Our job is to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then it tells us there that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So here we have this confirmation in the heart of Jesus that he had all things, all power, that he'd come from his Father and he was going to his Father. He was assured that no matter what the crucifixion entailed, no matter what his death and burial would be involved, he was going to his Father. He knew this was going to happen. It was a done deal. And so he comes into this situation with authority, not looking forward to it. We know that from the Garden of Gethsemane. There wasn't a masochistic thing, oh, I can't wait to be crucified. Certainly not. But he knew where he came from. He knew what, where he was going in that way. And in that period of time, he had a full assurance that all power was given to him by his father because he was sinless, because he was the obedient son. Now, from that pinnacle of thought, I know where I've come from, I know where I'm going, all power is given to me, Jesus does something that seems to be contradictory to it all. 
having acknowledged his position and his identity, he gets up, he gets a, takes off his jacket. I won't bother. He takes off his jacket <laughs> and he wraps a towel around his waist. Now, please, I'm hoping my wife's not watching this on TV because this is the only clean towel in the house. <laughs> she will only wash at Christmas. <laughs> Can anybody give me bed and breakfast? No, but he'd got a towel and it was very simple what he did. He took his jacket off, he tucked the towel in and he got down and he started to wash their feet. And after he'd washed their feet, he took the towel and he dried them. Very simple, not dramatic, no fanfare, no trumpets, no angels singing. Do angels sing? Another question to be asked. Uh, uh, none of that. Very simple. He knew where he'd come from. He knew where he was going. All power's given to him. And he gets up and he washes the disciples' feet. We know this was an example because he said it. May I just say this, that sometimes to serve, we have to get up. Now, I don't mean out of bed, although that would help. My pastor used to say to us, um, his name was George Rutherford, great. I only had one pastor, so I can't compare him with anybody, so he was just great. Um, he used to say that you need, when I was a teenager, he said, you need to get out of bed to get to church in the morning. He said, more people die in bed than anywhere else. <laughs> so the sooner you're out of bed, the better. <laughs> now, when you're 16 and you think you're the bee's knees, it's still a bit frightening thought, isn't it? So you're about to roll over and think, I better get out of bed, I might die this Sunday. <laughs> you know. Well, that's what it was, you know. We have, sometimes you have to move to serve. Sometimes you have to cross a room to serve. Jesus crossed the room. Oh, Jesus crossed more than a room. He stepped out of that, that, that majesty, that, that deity, and he got down and he served in that way. And maybe before you have this next and I'm not being sarky, this next breakthrough, you'll have to move. Get down on your knees and wash some feet. And in this church, we could not survive as a church without our volunteers. We have a great pastoral team and backroom team. I'm sorry to call them a backroom team, but I hope they're not offended. We thank the Lord for them. We really do. But let me tell you, the volunteers, there are folk who are washing feet each day that this church might reach the people that we're seeking to reach. And so I say to you, on behalf of everyone, thank you for what you're doing. But well, thank you, yeah, they are. And so Jesus, it says, he got up. Maybe there's something you need to do for that breakthrough in your own spiritual life. Sometimes it's forgiving someone is an act of washing their feet, humbling yourself and going to them and saying, you know, sorry. Do you know the best forgiveness is that when you forgive someone and you don't tell them you've forgiven them. I've had people come up to me and say, I just want you to know I've forgiven you. <laughs> and I'm going, what did I do? <laughs> well, 20 years ago, you didn't shake my hand at the door <laughs> when I left the church. I said, you're in for a tough time. I don't feel like shaking it now. You know, maybe it's getting up and washing the feet with the forgiveness. Do you know, many people discover their ministries almost by accident. 
you know, sometimes there's a vacancy in the Sunday school. We need someone to help us with the children's work this morning. Is there anybody who will go and volunteer? Now, it won't be me. I was a child and I don't want to teach them. <laughs> and you go into Sunday school thinking you're just stepping in. You've got up, you've moved. And suddenly you think, do you know what? I think this is where God wants me to be. You discover a ministry, often in servanthood and in serving others. Doors open. One of the quickest ways to get noticed by God is to be a servant because you remind him of his son. Well, the story continues. Let me move on. I don't want to take more than my time. Thank you. Then he comes to Peter. Now, we're not sure. We're not told whose feet he washed first. You know, the early church fathers had a big discussion about that. The Roman Catholic Church said he washed Peter's feet first. Well, it's obvious from the text that he didn't. Other early church fathers said he washed Judas's feet first. I don't think we know, but I know this, that somewhere in the procedure, he turned up at Peter. All the others, it seemed, complied to this. They had their sandals off. Jesus was now fulfilling the role of a servant or maybe even a slave. When you came into someone's house... Today, you know, in our society, or certainly this where I move in, the first words I want to hear when I enter your house is this, do you take sugar? <laughs> Leave my feet alone, get me a mug of tea. And that's it. But in Bible days, someone would wash their feet so that when you went into the house, certainly with the Passover, you would be prepared, you would be relaxed and at comfort. No one had done this. And Jesus said, if you won't be a servant, if you won't be a slave, I will. And he took that opportunity to puncture the pride in all of their hearts about, well, I'm not washing Peter's. Why should Thomas? Thomas should do it. Thomas should, oh, what about him? There was none of that. That rivalry was removed the moment Jesus stood up. And they thought, what's he doing? And then he took off his jacket Hang on, what's happening? Then he put a towel around him and, um, and they got a bowl of water and he poured the water in and they thought, uh-oh, he's going to do for me what I should have done for others in that way. Well, Peter, of course, had this discussion. He came to Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Okay, now Peter should have said, Thank you, Lord. I look forward to the day when I understand. But he didn't. He said words that are amazing. He said, no. <laughs> the Lord Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. And he says, no. He actually calls Jesus Lord. You cannot call him Lord and say no. You can't be married and say... No, hang on, that's another... <laughs> That's another sermon. Sorry, Simon. Simon's saying retreat. Because <laughs> he's... You know, I, when I went to the Derby Church, a man came up to me and he said to me, he said, my wife doesn't nag me. I said, you're very fortunate. I said, how did you achieve that? He said, I do what she tells me the first time. <laughs> well, maybe that's what you need, brethren. I don't really know. But um, he said, Lord, and then he said, no. You can't. You can't say, Lord, and no. But Peter did. He said, no, you will. And then he's got a right. 
Do you know that I've been out of London a long time? Did a strop on? Do you know the words? It's got a, you know, he said, uh, you'll never wash my feet. Challenging Jesus. Right, Peter, I've washed their feet. You're next. Sorry, the water's a bit, but it'll do. <laughs> you know? And he said, no, you'll never wash my feet. Saying that to the Lord Jesus. Everyone else was complying, but not Peter. He had this sort of spiritualness where he wouldn't do this because he knew that Jesus was the son of God and really he was feeling bad that he hadn't washed Jesus' feet and now he's asked Jesus to do his feet and he got all mixed up with what he believed and what he did do and his first reaction, although I suppose we could say he was meaning well, he got it wrong. And Jesus says, okay, you want to raise the ante, you want to say no and never to me, well, I'm going to say something to you. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Peter, this is part of the deal. If you don't accept this part of the deal, then the deal is off. You say no to me, you say never to me, okay, then let me tell you what's at stake here, Peter. It's not your pride, it's not your embarrassment. What's at stake here is your ability, your availability, pardon me, to be part of the future that is going to come after my res res resurrection. And then Peter, typical Peter, the pendulum swings the other way from a no and a never. We got, okay, wash my hands, my feet, my head, and all stations to Orpington, you know. The whole thing. And Jesus says, hang on, hang on, Peter. You still don't understand. Those that had a, have a bath only need their feet washing. And you are clean. He said, you're clean. Then he said, but not all of you. Because Judas wasn't clean because he was the betrayer. So this wasn't a spiritual matter. This wasn't Peter becoming a Christian. This wasn't Peter having his sins washed away. This was a simple act of humility and ministry that the disciples should have done and Jesus was now giving them an example. And when you are challenged to do something for someone else, this event will always be in the back of your mind saying, what would Jesus do? And he would pick up the towel. Um, in the sermon title I gave for the email, I put, never leave home without a towel. And I was going to spend the service preaching like this. I thought it might be a bit gimmicky, so I didn't. But friends, you never know when God's going to ask you to wash someone's feet. Not literally, please. There are churches, there are Pentecostal churches in America where once a year they have, they make it a sacrament, the washing of feet. Well, we don't in the Elam Church, I can tell you why, but it might sound I was criticising the other group, that's up to them. So some churches actually make this part of their, they, have, they break bread once a month, they wash feet once a year, and there's some of them will even bring some rattlesnakes, but we've decided not to do that. You know, there's some weird things out there. And so it is important, but it's not a sacrament. Jesus didn't say, do this in remembrance of me. It was an example to those in the room of the platform for ministry that they were going to take up. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. You see... Serving never diminishes you. 
he went back to his place. Wherever that place was, now I'm speaking about a literal place. So if his chair was there, he went back to his chair. He went back to his place. You never are diminished by ministering in any way. I told the story in the first service, I'll, I'll repeat it. I remember when I was pastoring um, one of my churches, I thought I'll let the name go this morning, but pastoring one of my churches, there was a gentleman in the church and um, lovely man, charming wife and, um, you know, and I, I used to see him in church and I just thought, I just sort of thought, I wasn't criticising him, but I, well, maybe I was. I used to think you don't do a lot in church. Because it was, you know, you're looking for people to do things and get involved in things and can you look after this and can you help with that? And really, it, it seemed that he didn't do a great deal in church. And I was a, a little critical, I suppose, but nothing, nothing serious, very pastorally. I wanted him to get involved for a blessing for him and yet doing that. And then, unbeknown to me, someone came to me and said, you know, George, I, I, I can't remember his name was George, so we're going to stick with George, um, George. He said, do you know what George does during the week? I said, I nearly said not a lot. <laughs> he said, he goes to the down and out shelter in our town and he washes the feet of those who are sleeping rough and cuts their toenails. And I thought that man didn't do a lot. What a rebuke for me. He was literally doing this. Now, I don't know about you, but feet washing would be a challenge in this room. And you've all had a shower this month, haven't you? <laughs> Man, it is only the 14th, so there's time. But imagine going to a, a shelter where people sleep rough and taking their shoes off, socks maybe, and he washed their feet and he dried them, and he would cut their toenails. Some of us couldn't do that, but he did it. And I stood there thinking, oh, that fellow at the back over there, you know, he doesn't do a lot. He should get more involved. What a rebuke that he was being Christ in that centre. Without fuss, he said he packs his little bag and he goes off, and he's got towels, he's got soaps he's got some lotions and I tell you what I bet he did a great job I bet when he'd finished I don't know if feet sparkle but I bet he got them to sparkle so ministry and servanthood is not always found within the boundaries of the church's official program for a lot of us it is and we thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve sometimes it's that opportunity for people to do things he never told me what he did, which made it even more valuable. He didn't get, try to get any brownie points from the pastor. Oh, do you know, pastor, every Tuesday or whatever it is, I do. I never knew because he wasn't doing it for me. He wasn't doing it for the church. And he wasn't even doing it for the folk he was washing their feet. He was doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that made it valuable. That made it valuable. Well, we're almost there. Thank you. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for I am. So it's quite simple. I am Lord and teacher. There's no doubt. This idea that Jesus didn't know who he was, I don't know who started that idea, but they, they just got no idea. He knew exactly who he was. He says, I have washed your feet. 
you also should wash each other's feet. I have set you an example so that you should do as I have done. Truly, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. No messenger is greater than the one who sent. In other words, if I can serve, so can you. Now you will know these things and you will be blessed if you do them. How Do you want to be blessed? And the answer is yes, by the way, just to speed things up. Okay? Do you want to be blessed? Yeah, of course you want to be blessed. Then will you serve? Will you wash feet? Will you ensure that you don't go home or leave the house without a towel? You might not use it today. You might not use it tomorrow. But at some point, a need may arise and the Lord will say, I want you to serve that person. Maybe make them a cup of tea, push their car, help them, drive them, take them to the hospital. I don't know what it might be. And you'll say, Lord, I can do that because I've actually brought my towel with me and I can take my jacket off. I can wrap it around my waist and I can dry that. There are many ways to be blessed. I'm sure over the years, thousands of people have been blessed at the front of this church as they've been prayed for. Thousands of people came and got blessed here. But let me tell you, you might say, well, I don't have a need to come to the front for prayer. I, I, I'm fine in that way, but I still want more of God. Well, look for ways to serve him. And maybe when you're struggling with that, remember that he didn't wash your feet literally. He washed your sins away. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're not a Christian today, I'm not advocating, please, and you, this, is, this will sound humorous, it doesn't mean to be, I'm not advocating, if you're not a Christian, come down here and the ministry team will wash your feet. I am advocating that you come to Jesus and let him wash your sins away. What, in water, in a basin? Of course not. But by his death upon the cross, his blood was shed. So if we confess our sin and say, Lord Jesus, I've sinned, I've failed you, fine, that's it, you know. He will forgive us our sin. Relief, the peace of God will flood in. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because as far as God is concerned, sin needs to be cleansed. Though our sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove our sins from us. God does a complete job with sin. He puts it behind his back, never more to be remembered. So, two questions. Are your feet clean? Don't answer that. Are your feet clean? But more important, have you been washed? in the precious blood of Christ, who will not just clean your feet, but will cleanse your heart and allow you to become a child of God and join the family who love him and serve him.